White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Andy, have... Have we always had the crowd noise the beginning of the of the jingle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always been there. I, don't know. I just now noticed it for the first time. <laughs> for the first yeah. time. Well, it that gets me thinking, you know, uh that little ditty, I, it doesn't matter like what is going on, doesn't matter how much we've struggled with technical difficulties or whatever. That music always gets me in the mood for this podcast. It tells me a good time is coming. And I wondered like this weekend, like, do you think the, the blue band is the same way for Penn state, even in like a rainy slop fest? Did that get them excited to play? And even though the, it was just terrible conditions. Yeah. I mean, at least the defense, you know, sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, we're going to talk about that game, by the way, Northwestern did not win. You might've, you might've, not realize that considering how Penn State was playing, but Penn State came away with a win in a very sloppy, ugly, gross game, seventeen to seven. It sounds like Penn State. At- it sounds like you're dealing with some of the same slop over there where you yeah, are. Oh my gosh, dude! It's this has been a really rough couple of days. So, <laughs> and you have had your own rough few days. I want to get to you, but since you asked, um, you know, Saturday we were dealing here in the Mid Atlantic with the remnants of Ian. We saw it on screen. A really ugly, gross day. Just watching football in that weather makes you feel gross and and cold and wet. Well, it was actually raining here in Maryland, just like that. Uh, on Saturday, um, went out with friends uh, that evening, uh, Saturday night. There was no place to sit inside, so we were in a like a bar outdoor area. It was like raining and wet. It was, uh, it was less than ideal. Well, I then got to watch my Ravens uh, deal with the same slop on Sunday and lose. Uh, it was just put me in a terrible mood. And then yesterday, Monday, I got to go and watch my son's soccer team play in this same rain. And now here I am looking out my office window. It is pouring rain. The remnants of Ian have been off the Atlantic coast for the last four or five days. Now, I know that people in Florida are dealing with much worse conditions, but it's been a really, a really sloppy, gross, wet, cold couple of days and uh i'm ready to warm things up with some fun on this podcast bro and i know you're probably ready too because you've dealt with your own uh weather issues uh you're kind of hunkered down in arizona why don't you let everyone know what's going on with you i uh i've been slowed down um i had a a nice stretch of weather for several days going uh, you know south out of utah and into northern arizona around the grand canyon through navajo reservation down into sedona and then the day I left Sedona after watching the Northwestern game, um, the these uh, m- like monsoons have been rolling in, and these very severe storms have been rolling through, isolated in some cases, not so isolated. Um, and what it does is a, it's impossible to to ride the 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 route uh, uh, with th- this type of. This amount of rain was just ca- causing flash floods, and and it turns the the dirt roads and the um and the and the dirt and the gravel roads to this super cakey like sludgy clay like mud, and it just 
adheres to your tires and creates a, a oh, mud. Man. It creates a mud tire around your a actual fest, r- rubber you tire, will. and and oh the gosh. the mud builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up to the point where a you can't even like remain on your bike because you're just slipping and sliding around with mud on mud. And and (laughs) man, it's but and then the mud is just also caking up into the drivetrain and into the the frame of the bike, and it's just it's a it's a total mess. So I had to bail off the route yesterday when initially you're telling me um threat of hail and like gale force winds. Oh, it was it was bad lightning. Yeah, yeah. So so you uh you you're hunkering down uh, somewhere in. Northern Arizona? No, I'm getting closer to like Central Arizona at this point. Okay, all right, fair enough. Yeah. So you're 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 closing in on that Mexican. I'm halfway border? through Arizona right now, basically. Oh man, yeah. making good time until no, just the last few days. Not right now. I'm I, so we didn't even think <laughs> well, we were going to be able to record because I was entering um, kind of no man's land on the route, and I didn't have anywhere on the route that would have afforded me the ability to record this week. So we were going to not record this week, but then I decided to bail on the route and and. And avoid these horrific storms that were coming through. So here we are now. I'm I'm able to record. Yeah, 24 hours ago, you're talking about me just putting in a, like a three minute episode, letting everyone know, hey, we're not going to have a regular episode this week. See you next week. And yeah. you know, here we are. Um, won't quite be a normal episode because we're not going to do the Michigan game look ahead. We'll save that for next week. Buy but week. We'll get a talk all about um, the Northwestern game. We'll talk a, a little bit about what's going on, um, the college football scoreboard. We're not really going to do a, a full season, uh, you know, halfway through the taking stock kind of thing, but we'll we'll talk about uh, what we're hoping to see coming out of the bye week, what we want Penn State to be working on. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, so, yeah, man, uh, you're hunkered down. I'm hunkered down. Uh, Penn State managed to get through uh, a sloppy game second in a row uh, with a win, which I guess is better than a loss. Yeah, we called last um, week uh, win your clunker. Man, I did not foresee this week being an even bigger clunker than last week. Uh, so, yeah, it's just like we've just now won two clunkers in a row, essentially. I mean, the truth of the matter is um, the weather did play a huge factor. Um, James Franklin himself in his uh, post-game press conference said, that's no excuse. I fully agree. It's no excuse. But it does change, you know, the the scope of the game. Um, I watched a Ravens team that had every right to win the game uh, that they played, and um, they they couldn't pull it off. They made a lot of the same mistakes, drop balls, uh, interceptions, uh, fumbles and that kind of thing. So um, even the pros struggle with this kind of weather. Um, it was it was just not a fun game to watch. But we'll, we'll get into it because it, I think that there's more than just the weather there that we need to talk about. Um, there are some good things in the game we need to talk about too. So um, I know we were pretty uh, we were we were pretty hot um, watching that game unfold. But there were some good things. We'll talk about all that. But first, bro, um, let's do it. Let's let's start with our news and notes. News and notes. Yeah, so um, we've been trying this thing since the start of the football season here. Uh, Tom's 10-second takes, and they, they really haven't gone well in terms of the 10-second part, okay? Oh, man. Um, and Tom and I were talking this week. He's like, you know, really nice. I got, we really like talking about what's going on in college football because we love college football, but we don't always love how much time we end up talking about it. So uh, we're going to try 
to do the 10 second takes and keep it to 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> All right, so here's here's what we're gonna say, uh, uh, Tom and I. This is our plan. We're letting you know what our plan is. I'm gonna give the headline. Tom is gonna give his hot take, like a phrase or a sentence, no more than ten seconds. I may have a response, uh, another very brief response, and then we'll move on. All right. Now, along with that, though, I'm gonna give two opportunities for a two minute tangent. All right. So of the <laughs> dozen or so games we're going to talk about, you have two tangents to, to spend. And I haven't uh, determined what these tangents are going to be. You don't yet. know. That's oh, a, we're so just, just going to bear in mind, yeah. bear in mind, you've got two to use out of the, the 12 or so games that I'm going to bring up. Um, I guess it's more like uh, 15 with a big 10, but, but you're ready for this, bro. You, you ready to, to, to give it an effort for, to really get the, they 10 don't call second me take? 10 second Tom for nothing. <laughs> All right, let's do this. <laughs> All right, here we go. First one. Uh, we're starting, as we have last couple of weeks, with uh, top 25 upsets. All right. Uh, number 14, Ole Miss puts away the number seven Wildcats, beating Kentucky 22 to 19. What? Will Levis basically lost them this game. There you go. <laughs> That's the best I can yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are saying he may have uh, seen his first round quarterback draft stock uh, completely fall uh, out out of the first round with his performance this game. I, I thought it was overrated to begin with. I we still best of luck, Will. But ten seconds, sucks. go next. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Unranked UCLA upsets number fifteen Washington in the Rose Bowl, forty to thirty two, to move to five and zero on the season. Is Chip Kelly finally getting UCLA going in the direction they all hoped he would five years ago? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I think it's a flash in the pan. <laughs> uh, uh, but we'll see. Um, it's a, it's a surprising to see them um, undefeated. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Unranked Mississippi State crushes number 17 Texas A&M 42 to 24. I don't know the bigger story here. If it's Mike Leach doing this to, to Jimbo Fisher or Jimbo Fisher doing this to himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, that's the hot take we're looking for. Amazing. <laughs> I can't say anything about it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. Unranked TCU pummels number 18, Oklahoma, 55 to 24. I assumed Brett Venables was going to bring his defensive uh, prowess to Oklahoma and it has not happened so far. Like, wow. Holy crap. TCU. Yeah, man. It, look between uh, TCU, Oklahoma and Mississippi state, Texas. If you said the two teams that lost those games had 24 points and the two teams that won had 42 and 55 points respectively, you don't think it's Texas and Oklahoma that have the 24 or Mississippi State and TCU have the 42 and 55. It it's a pretty major. It's not just like a, they squeaked by. They 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 embarrassed these teams. Yeah. I like it. No, I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> um moving through the the top 25, uh, this is a, a Big 10 upset. Unranked Purdue takes down number 21 Minnesota 20 to 10. So we heard all this. I, I'm gonna use one of my ten my ten second tangents here. Your two two minute two minute tangent. yeah t sorry two minute ten second two minute tangents. Um, 
so basically, you know, here we have an opponent we played, an opponent we're going to play, right? And, yeah. you know, we – Purdue ended up losing to Syracuse. Syracuse is still undefeated, by the way. Isn't that crazy? So – I, I don't know who they played, but that's surprising. Yeah, oh, everybody assumed that after we beat them and then they lost to Syracuse, that, that Purdue was just not a good team. But I think as we move forward with this season that we might value more and more that Purdue win and value the fact that we we got to play them in game one rather than like when they get their right their ship and and get going, you know, as they're you know, full strength or full potential is starting to to show up in these later games because Minnesota looked like a full blown juggernaut uh, after pummeling and humiliating Michigan State and and all their opponents leading up to their game against Purdue. Um, and by the way, where was this game? Was it? It was in Minnesota, wasn't it? I think it was. It was. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're wearing their maroons. They're all maroons. But um, so. You know, we are hearing all this talk of like, oh, do we have Kirk Sharaka remorse? You know, they only mustered 10 points against the team that we we scored, what, 35 against them? Something like that. Yeah. 32, maybe 33, I can't remember. 33. Yeah. Um, so long story short, you know, like. I, I I feel good about about our Purdue win and I feel better about what we could possibly do against Minnesota. You know, yeah, um, unfortunately, that it bumps Minnesota out of the rankings for the moment. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I don't care. I mean, obviously, that's a must win. The big asterisk on this game, by the way, is that Mo Ibrahim, didn't uh, play. he was out. Yeah, he didn't play. I mean, he was basically their entire offense right now. So, you know, no, I, I, I think we need to be that. careful. I wouldn't. Well, Tanner I mean, Morgan's have been having a very good year. A very, very good year, in fact. Let's so, put it this way. When you don't have to defend the Minnesota running game, defending them becomes a little bit easier. I'm not suggesting you're not right. I'm just saying it's I not been all think, Mo I Ibrahim. just think before we say, oh, Minnesota must not be as good as we think, we need to really realize that th- there's a huge, huge component of this game that was missing for Minnesota, and I, th- I still think they're dangerous. That's fine. And no, but to, to the to the token that, that oh, oh, no, Minnesota's not going to be ranked as highly as when they come in, I literally don't care. Like I, this, the team that we are currently nurturing, the Penn State team, we are currently, you know, developing and nurturing to try and be better week in and week out. Like we are also a team that appears to be going in the wrong direction right now. At least I'm, you know, well, not just on paper, but, but all my, from what my eyes yeah, can see on too. On the screen yeah, as we're watching. So, it. So you're saying we'll take all the help we can get. Yeah. I, I, you know, (laughs) if you, if you win all your games and not, not suggesting that we will, I'm saying if we did, like, who cares? Who cares if they're not (laughs) as highly ranked? So give me all the help I can get for sure. And by the way, especially if like either Minnesota or Purdue ends up winning the West, that's good for us. Right. Yeah. Because. Especially if we if we beat both of them, it doesn't matter Precisely. if they were ranked or not when we when we play. And it might be, it might be at the end of the season that Minnesota and Purdue are the best teams in the West. It might might work out that way. It also might somehow work out that Iowa ends up winning the West too. Sadly, oh my gosh, you never that know. Would, you never that know. would be the the westiest Big Ten thing that could happen. You never but know. Anyway, hey, here's our last. Um, so great tangent, bro. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was that was a good choice. I, I affirm you mm-hmm. in your thank in your you. tangent. Thank you. <laughs> Here's our last uh, top 25 upset coachless Georgia Tech stings 
the number 24 Pitt Panthers to win 26 to 21. Big fan of this uh, outcome. Big, big fan, especially of, of being a coachless Georgia Tech team. Um, I, 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 that's it. That's it. Big fan. <laughs> Anytime the Panthers lose, yeah. anytime Pitt loses, this is the good weekend. Anytime right. the lesser mountain, the, the lesser big cat of the, in Pennsylvania loses, I'm I'm a fan. All right, we got two other near upsets to that we we, we can't really leave uh, the the scoreboard without talking about. Top ranked Georgia avoids disaster against unranked Missouri, scoring two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to win twenty two to twenty six. You just kind of hoped the whole time that Georgia wouldn't be Georgia and just come back and win, but you kind of also knew they would. Oh, man. You just... You just knew they would. You, you knew they would. Knew it. You know, it, Bummer. there's like... It, it, not not Georgia, you know, like... By the way, that's two clunkers in a row for Georgia. Kent State is the yep. other one. So, yeah, two clunkers in a row. And they didn't have weather as an excuse in Missouri. And I'm not really trying to go on a two minute tangent here, but but let's just, you know, when nobody's really talking about how bad Penn State played, you know, in this game against Northwestern, I think they get used the the last two games in a row. No one's been docking Penn State for their lackluster performances. And 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 likewise, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, Georgia's number one. But they're 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 like they're like uh, they're a little susceptible, and I think Alabama overtook them in the polls. So, but but w- while that happened there, Penn State has climbed each week that we have, and that's because of teams in front of us losing. And you know, at this point, if you just keep winning, it's good. Yeah, you'll keep climbing. Yeah, but but it really, yeah. it's not. It's if you're Georgia, you're like, yeah, we're better than this. And Penn State knows they're better than this, but not from an experiential standpoint, the way Georgia knows they're better than this, you know, like, like I think Georgia has confidence, like waiting in their wings, whereas Penn state still has to like rebuild their program's confidence, you know, especially on offense. Right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a little disconcerting to me to lose two weeks in a row this way. And, and yet the team still gets this fancy number in front of their name now. Uh, by the way, we didn't lose, but <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I say lose? I meant one. Yeah, I meant we... one. I apologize. I, I don't but know. Still, I felt like losing. Well, it it, it sure kind of did in some respects this past week, especially. Um, All right, um, <laughs> I, that, I'm calling that a tangent, bro. You, right. you used your two tangents, so now we gotta. I want to get talk back. about it. We gotta get back to the 10 second okay. take. What's your hot okay. take? Um, here's your last. Okay. Uh, top 25 near upset, and then we'll do the Big Ten. Um, number 10, NC State hangs with number five, Clemson, for a while, but lets it slip away in the second half to go down 20 to 30. The NC State was like a lot of dark horse picks for a lot of people, and I'm not even really sure why. Um, and they still might go on to be 11 and 1 at the end of the season, but to me, an overrated team. Yeah. Um, would have loved I think to the score. Would have I think the score looked, The score made it look closer than it, than it was by by most accounts. I didn't uh, watch the game. Yeah, but I watched. Anyway. So. All right, Big Ten. Yeah. N- this was this was this first one here was a. I think we were all kind of hoping for some magic, but uh, number four Kinnick, number four Michigan cancels the Kinnick magic to put away the Hawkeyes twenty seven to fourteen. JJ McCarthy didn't have a great game. 
Michigan didn't look totally sharp. Iowa looked horrible. <laughs> Petrus is I'm amazed horrible. They I made, I'm amazed they scored 14. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fun little fact that I just learned today. This is not a ten, two minute tangent. Iowa, since the start of conference play last year, Iowa's offense has scored more points in conference play than Penn State's offense has. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say to that? <laughs> no, we, we should talk about that when we're talking about Penn State, but <laughs> thanks for bringing that up now. That's um, pretty gross. <laughs> number three, Ohio State crushes Rutgers 49 to 10. Greg Chiana would kick the crap out of Ryan Day. That's that's what I take away from that game. A fake punt. A street fight. A fake punt that some people are saying wasn't a fake punt. Like it wasn't a scripted one. The punter just decided to do it and went rogue. It it lit the whole <laughs> they lit they lit the punter up. They going were out up of bounds. 49 to 10. Yes. They were Ohio State was up 49 to 10 on fourth down. It was like fourth and seven. Yeah. Yeah. And the punter ran the ball instead of punting it and got a first down. Yeah. I mean, it was an easy first down for the punter punter. gets hit late out of bounds, gets popped by Rutgers, like a a brawl ensues. Not, I mean, there wasn't really fighting, but more pushing and shoving. Shiano comes across the field and gets in Ryan day's face. Yeah. Um, And by the way, these two coach together, uh, for two years, and then Ryan Day let him go. Urban when he, Meyer. Then Ryan Day let him go when he became the head coach. <laughs> so I wonder if there was any love lost there. But basically, this is like I think this is two weeks in a row now where Ohio State has done some of this, like you know, cheap stuff. Bad cheap stuff. Blood. No cheap stuff. Bad in, hold blood. On, hold on, hold on. Cheap stuff. Bad blood. <laughs> cheap stuff. In like the third or fourth quarter during a blowout, like fourth quarter last week, it might have been the week before, but they had CJ CJ Stroud was still in. You're killing me with the tangents. I hate Ohio State, and I want to <laughs> talk about how much I hate Ohio State and Ryan Day for that matter. All right, um, moving on. Uh, Maryland, Maryland <laughs> shell shocks Michigan State twenty-seven to thirteen. Again, $95 million guaranteed no matter what Mel Tucker does. Guaranteed, no matter what. Would you rather be Michigan State 2-3 and three with your expensive guaranteed coaching contract or Penn State 5-0? and oh? <laughs> That's a, well, that, I mean, it depends on how the rest of the season goes. <laughs> I guess. Mel Tucker could end up going, you at know. At this point. 7-0. and All oh. right. Um, hey. Next headline, uh, Nebraska manages to win one, beating Indiana 35 to 21. Who? (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. All right. Last headline in the Big Ten, Brett Bielema returns to Camp Randall and deposes his successor as Illinois pounds Wisconsin 34 to 10. Do you think this was a Brett Bielema... Um, interview for the Paul Chris job, <laughs> the second coming. <laughs> what if they just traded jobs? Oh my gosh! Uh, I mean, for those of you who aren't aware, on Sunday following this game, Wisconsin out of nowhere fired their uh, 
coach Paul Christ, who is in his eighth season as Wisconsin, at Wisconsin. Are we dedicating any he, he time was, to, to, to this at any point? Uh, as far as we we have to, we this is a bonus tangent. We've got to talk about this. Um. So, you know, Paul Christ. Well, he 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 made it to three Big Ten title games. The he won the Big Ten, went to a Rose Bowl. Um, I he think, finished his career sixty-seven and twenty-six. Yeah, he had like a seventy-seven win percentage or something like that. I, I something like that. Um, it's just I'm in a shocking. I'm in a fantasy football league with a with a bunch of Wisconsin boys, and they were just like they had they'd had it. They'd had it, you know, Wisconsin. So Chris, yeah, they'd had it. So Wisconsin <laughs> ran the ball six times for three yards in that game, six times for oh, three yards. My. Now, I, and I, I, so, so they got out Wisconsin by, by their former coach, essentially is what it, you know, Brett Bielema did to Wisconsin, what a Wisconsin team typically does to an Illinois. Um, so it begs the question, is Brett Bielema building something in Illinois or is he using this as a stepping stone to become a, a, a big time coach somewhere else? But but really, the, the, the crazy thing about this is that a coach that had has done so much, who was a hometown dude, homegrown in Madison, um, all that goodwill he built up, it, it, it didn't matter. Like, so, so, you know, when when. What is he, the fifth or sixth coach to get fired in the first five He's weeks the of the first coach at Wisconsin, either Wisconsin football or Wisconsin basketball. He's the first coach that has been fired at Wisconsin since 1995. And that was Stan, I think it was Stan Van Gundy. It was either Stan or Steve. Wow, that's, I mean, that, that's a huge, like, culture shift. Exactly. You know I mean? Well, that's, so yeah. that's, that's what, the like, for a Wisconsin athletic department to do this mid season, not even at the end of the season, mid season. This isn't LSU. Right. So, so what does that mean? Like, you know, how, what is Wisconsin thinking they're going to like, what do they, what do they want to be moving forward? Like, are, are, are they going to start paying the big, big bucks for a big, big name? Uh, like, so the way Paul Christ ha, um, has an $11 million buyout. Right, dude. They're throwing like that. You're you're dropping eleven million dollars just to get rid of the guy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Big Ten money, and that's on top of whatever you're going to pay to the next yeah. person who comes along. I mean, that, the amount of money just, that we're throwing around at these coaches' contracts, and, and and all the all the talking heads in college football are talking about how like yeah, no one cares about this kind of money. Eleven million dollars, this forty million dollars, that like like that's nothing. To, to these to these athletic departments it's like actually it is something it's like you're you are sinking unbelievably valuable resources that the university and the student athletes could be using in many many other ways for for to get to pay to pay for these coaches who you know like what Jimbo and Mel Tucker Jimbo Fisher and Mel Tucker like have these big near hundred million dollar contracts and what are they actually getting for their money? What is the return on investment there? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think it. I think it signals a, a real lack of vision and lack of creativity on the part of these administrations. And absolutely, it's, uh, you know, they're looking for quick fixes. That's what everyone's looking but for. But throwing money fix. at it like this is hasn't even proven to provide results in the way. I that would you're, be fascinated. 
I would be fascinated to look at a study of like the top, you know, 40 or 50 contracts in the last 10 years. Yeah. Of, of, of coaching contracts and see what, what's that, just that exact question. What's been the return on investment? You know, what can you, can you identify a change in trajectory and can you, can you identify any sort of commonality? Like, between, can you, can you validate these contracts that you're, that you're signing these coaches? Yeah, even to? the, even the risk reward. I mean, you know, right. you, you know, you might, you know, it might not result the way you want, but sometimes it might like, what are those cases and what, you know, I mean, like right now I got to say, look at USC, there seems to have been an immediate turnaround. I mean, it's very early, you know, but USC is five and oh, and uh, you know, their home run higher. They, you know, basically bought them a 400 foot yacht. I would say that that's a a poor, a castle in the, in the Hollywood Hills or what? I don't know. I would say that's a poor example just because it's a very unique example um, and that how many transfers he brought in from Oklahoma where he was just coaching. Um, well, that's what I said. The, the jury's out. It's still yeah, early. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, is that sustainable? Right. Can you, I don't think you know, so. five years from now, is this just a flash in the pan or, you know, has he built a, a winning program over at USC? Uh, Lincoln Riley, we're talking about, um, you know, versus say, you know, what has gone on at LSU or Auburn over the last couple of years, you know, um, Florida, you look at all of these places, Nebraska. Yeah, right. Exactly. Where, where, you know, there's just the turnstile and, and the, you're pulling in bigger and bigger money to, you know, attract better and better coaches. Hey, look at Lance Leopold at Kansas, right? Well, so that's, (laughs) that's, that's, I think, really where <laughs> where Wisconsin's brain is at with this firing is Lance Leopold came from Buffalo prior to Kansas. He has Kansas he had Kansas um winning towards the back half of last year uh, after they beat Texas by the way in I, I believe they beat Texas uh in Austin. Um and now he has them 5 and 0. Um and they just beat who do they just beat? Um this past weekend they beat shoot I don't, I guess I don't remember. Anywho's. Um, so, but, but Lance Leopold won a national title at University of Wisconsin, insert branch campus name. I forget. Um, but so Roaring he, Waters or something like that. I don't even know. Um, but the point is, he, he knows Wisconsin extremely well. Um, so he's capable of coming in and, and doing big things at a, at a program that, that isn't at, the, at that moment doing big things. Um, so I think, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that like, oh, Lance Leopold's going to be perfect for Nebraska. Guess what? Nebraska fired their coach, right? So the reason Wisconsin did the, you know, unthinkable in terms of Wisconsin's ways, um, they want to be able to have position themselves properly, I think, for going after Lance Leopold, which also is strange because they have for years now thought they've had their coach in waiting as their defensive coordinator in Jim Leonard. And he, who's now been tagged as the interim coach. So I think they were smart in tagging him as their interim coach so that they could kind of like give him a quote unquote tryout for the rest of the season while still maybe attempting to woo Lance Leopold. And if Lance Leopold doesn't work out, bada bing, bada boom, you got your, your fail safe and, and Jim Leonard. But Jim Leonard has been turning down jobs for years because he has been wanting to be, or it's said to, to, that he's been wanting to be the next Wisconsin head coach. So you got to wonder 
does Jim Leonard feel slighted by this possibility? And is he going to go regardless? If I'm Jim Leonard's agent, I'm looking to fleece Wisconsin for a lot of money. If, if, if so, (laughs) look, um, some of this is just sort of rumor mill stuff. Totally. Um, Projectures and opinions. And yeah, it may or may not be accurate. Um, It's sort of the nature of, you know, the, this kind of situation where you get a lot of stories and you're not really sure. You mean like James Franklin to USC? Yeah, exactly. All that <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, I, I the, to, to the extent that there's any truth to it, I, I think I just think it's rotten, man. I yeah. think it's I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. Totally, um, totally, totally, totally. Because here's the thing. And, and some of the stories coming out of out of Wisconsin is that like all of these players are there because of Paul Christ. Right. Oh, yeah. They the, love the last him. people that anyone thinks about when it comes to these administrations making changes at, at the top. And, and, to, and, and like, I mean, how crass is it? How manipulative is it to say, hey, if we make this move now, we can have our cake and eat it too mm-hmm. because we can try out uh, our defensive coordinator and right. also have a shot at this new up and comer, which we think would give us a huge advantage. And I, I mean, again, it's just, well, it's like, it's to like me, it's, this isn't pro, this isn't pro football, like in the sense that, you know, like these are still, yes, they are still student athletes and these universities exist for students. Right. <laughs> so absolutely. And, 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 and so, so, so like, you know, as in the pros, it's like, who cares? You're, you're at your job. You know, you like, you, you like, we, you have, you have somebody that owns the team. Okay. And, and, and the, the owner and the GM make, make decisions for what's best for their business. And, and we have now, totally like lifted the veil on like what college football is at this point. And it's like, it is just a business and, and these student athletes do not matter yeah. at all. They are just yeah, a I, product I think, at this point. I think that's why I would say, unless there's stuff going on behind the scenes that we just don't know about, I would say it's, it's borderline unethical, borderline immoral uh-huh. to just to, to play with people's lives like this. I yeah. mean, these are, these are teenagers, you know, early 20 somethings. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you're, I mean, Wisconsin's university yeah, that, totally. that across the country, you have a t- tremendous amount of respect for doing things the right kind of way. It's a Northern mis- Midwestern team. It's not, it's not the deep South. It's not cutthroat business. It's, you know, there's some character, there's some, um, t- tradition there that that's, you have a lot of respect for it. So again, unless there's something going on behind the scenes that we just don't know about, can't, you know, let him go before the season or let him, let him play out the season. See if he can get it turned around. I I mean, the guy's won 70% of his games, you know, how to coach. Um, He knows how to coach. So um, it just, it just doesn't sit right with me. It's really, it's really kind of, head scratching and, and earth shaking to me. I I agree with you. It's, it's not the pros. Um, by the way, I would just say this same attitude in the pros is also problematic. And you're hearing about it more and more from the players that they don't want to be treated like a commodity. They want to be treated like actual human beings as well, which I think is, is worth considering, (laughs) you know? Um, well, yes, there are different kinds of relationships when you're in an employee employer relationship, but that still doesn't give you a right to treat someone like they're 
like they're not fully human. Well, continuity, continuity and and yeah. consistency and like um cohesiveness in sports is like how you like you create a culture and and that's Yeah, it's that's where the true magic is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and with every time you make one of these changes, you disrupt your ability to do that well. A- again, I would love to see a study that says, you know, in what cases is this a positive change and in what cases does it actually set the team back further than it would have been? I don't know if you can do that, but I'd be really curious. Nebraska has literally never recovered from firing uh, from its firing. Yeah. yeah. Firing, firing Bo Pelini, who was like a nine win on average with multiple 10 win seasons under his belt. Um, and they just haven't recovered from it. They haven't gotten back to that one time over over the last. And I don't. What has it been like a decade now? I don't even know. I don't know. I mean, at least, yeah. So, um, all right. Well, so th- there's our there's our rant coming out of those. Uh, it well, wasn't even a two minute tangent. It's, it was a. It's a. It, it's, it's a. a it's a larger. Rant. It's a larger problem because Penn State's had to deal with it, obviously, with with contracts and, and James Franklin, um, and and the ugly side of like having to either hire or retain a coach. Um, and now Wisconsin's going to have to deal Wisconsin's now for the first time, I think going to have to deal with, um, you know, the, the hiring process, uh, of, of going after a, a, you know, a hot, uh, you know, hot name in co- the coaching carousel and having to pay for it. They're going to have to p- pay for these, this big contract or whatever the heck it's going to be because that coach is going to you know go ahead. <laughs> You know what I'd love more than anything? I, I agree with you. That's exactly. I think it's going to be a shock to the system. I would love more than anything for Lance Leopold to stay put at Kansas and build the program there. Well, so and I would love what, for him to say no. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. All of that. Well, you know, I kind of wanted to see that from Matt Rule at Baylor too. Um, when he yeah, left true. for when he left for yep, Carolina, yep. Like, like it yep. seemed like that's what he was doing there. And then you know, boom, these coaches are just leaving for the for the larger paychecks, the shinier program, and whatever it is. It doesn't seem to be having that great a time at Carolina, you know. No, but also you know. Um, uh, what's his face? Matt Campbell up there at Iowa State ha- has mm. said been saying yep. no, and and yep. there's, he's still out True. there speculatively about being up for all these coaching, uh, you know, uh, openings, and and I'm not sure that that the the grass is greener once you build your culture. Once you build, like rebuilding a culture is is got to be hard. It's got to be yeah, hard man. when the when the when the guts of the program are not already like healthy, right? Yeah, going. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you, yeah. maybe you realize what you have a little bit as from a coaching perspective. Uh, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, same thing. They gave yeah. him like a, a forever contract, like a <laughs> over there. So th- there, there are some places where this is happening, and um, you know, kind of the, the counterpoints or the, uh, you know, the exception that proves the rule. But um, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens at Wisconsin. Well, well even um, even James Franklin. Um, and to, to we'll put a bow on this then um, because we've been on it for a while. But he, but even James Franklin, like like what what more could you really like if you, you he's sunk so much. He's been here what now nine years ten years what has it been yeah nine years nine years like this is his ninth season like if if Franklin leaves Penn State it's probably because Penn State's going to fire him at, at some point like that I don't see him. Uh, willingly leaving Penn State for a different job because 
you, why would you start over somewhere else? You know, why would you, 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 I guess some guys are just built that way, you know, but I, I agree with you. It's just, it's just a lot. Like, you know, maybe it's like, Oh, I climbed Mount McClint, Mount McKinley. Now I want to climb Everest, you know, let's, let's do that next challenge. But you know, he building a team, climb, a, he, climbing, climbing, <laughs> climbing McKinley <laughs> at Penn State or whatever is winning a national title. That's that's the standard. Like like Penn State has won several national titles, many Big Ten titles, and and he hasn't won a national title. So so McKinley was the Big Ten title rather, and and the national title is Everest. So so he, I mean, maybe way, once I'd he wins rather, the national title at Penn State, maybe then he feels like he can go and accomplish something somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah, I'd much rather um, climb Mount McKinley than than Everest personally. <laughs> okay. Good, say, good to go. Seems like a much more exciting mountain. All right. Cleaner okay. one. A cleaner one. <laughs> okay, look. So that's the that's your scoreboard uh Big 10 roundup. Um, <laughs> yeah, we rounded it up. We rounded it all yeah. up. <laughs> uh just, just before we leave the the news and notes, two quick items. One is just the Big 10 standings. Couple couple quick notes. Bro, there are only three undefeated teams remaining in the Big Ten, either in their overall record or in conference play. Only Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State have no conference losses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're only two games into the conference, mm-hmm. game, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the seven teams in the West, six of them are in a six-way tie for first. <laughs> Each at one and one in the conference. Um, you know what's really going to be interesting is when the Big Ten in a year or two, I think it's possible that it could be next year, but that certainly within two years, it's going to change. They're going to do away with these divisions. Um, and yeah, you know, who's going to ben- who do you think benefits and who do you think doesn't benefit from, from the divisions? Like, like what wh- I, I tell you who benefits from the divi- divisions is any team in the West who goes to the big 10 championship. Right. Game. Right. So, so who, and who hasn't been benefiting from these divisions? Penn state. No, sure. no, no, we've won the Big I think Ten. There are plenty of years where Penn State's been the second best team in the conference. Yeah, sure. You can and, say that we haven't benefited, but who's benefited less than us? Well, who do you have in mind? Because it's it's not coming to me. Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana. They are no longer oh, going to be forced every year to true. play Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State every single year. They they get they oh, get yeah. to, they get to play more of the, the those teams that are probably in line with their talent levels over in the West mm. on average more yeah. than just having to play this unbalanced in this uh, you know imbalanced uh, East division. So, by the way, I would love to see the conference schedules um, organized around some sort of competitive parity. Yeah. You know, I think that would be helpful. Well, I think and, when you have when you have um, USC and UCLA coming in, I think that that we'll start seeing that more and more. Um, I think we'll I think the the Big Ten will be forced to create some more of that. Um, rather than putting schedules out like seven years in advance, yeah, like yeah. making next year's schedule based on this year's well, results. And like kind look of thing. at the NFL. I mean, they they don't do they don't yeah. do it until the off season. They wait until a season has I'm been saying. played and then they That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good point. Um, uh, so in the East, okay. Um, we, you know, where there's a three-way tie for first, those undefeated teams, but two teams sit behind the top three. Uh, do you know who they are? Uh, in the East? Yeah. In the East. 
Well, I'm sure it's like Indiana and and Maryland. You're right. That's exactly right. Indiana and Maryland, uh, both at one and one in the conference. That wasn't hard. Maryland, by the way, <laughs> Maryland, by the way, has a four and one overall record. Yeah. And their lone loss? Competitive game against Michigan. Yes. By seven points, they lost to Michigan. So I'm, I'm not saying Maryland's great, but just... Watch out! They're they're not going right. to be. They're not going to let us. They're not going to let us roll over them the way the way Northwestern just basically you know in our worst game of the season still let us roll over them. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah we're going to have to bring our A game yeah. against Maryland. Um, teams with no conference wins are Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. Yikes! <laughs> you, you, you kind of half expected Rutgers, even though Rutgers was what four and zero to start to to. Um, they were three and zero or four and zero. I don't know. No, they would they, they would have been three and zero at one point. They were three and zero at one point because you can't have four non conference games in the Big Ten anymore. Um, so they were three and zero in non con. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I'm in this crappy little motel in the middle of nowhere, uh, Arizona, and. Somehow the Big Ten Network uh, existed on the Dish Network here that they that they've allowed me to utilize. And when I turn on the Big Ten Network, the magical and I forget what it was. It 2007, the magical Rutgers year. It was um, whatever year it was where where Rutgers beats. You know they're number 13 in the country and they they have um, Ray Rice on their team and they have that huge game um, against number three Louisville. And so I'm watching Rutgers and Greg Schiano have this magical, magical, you know, run of their season. And here they are, Rutgers, you know, Schiano's back with Rutgers. And is this his third season now? At, I think it's his third yeah, at, of his return. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if um, being in the Big Ten is just too much for a team like Rutgers to, to, to elevate. You know, it might just take a little bit longer to get where you need to go. But I agree with you. It'll be. I mean, if Rutgers is able to play teams like, um, you know, some of the some of the teams in the West who aren't as great, you know, Northwestern, Illinois, although who knows what Illinois is up to right now, you know, if a, a down Wisconsin team, a down uh, Iowa team, you know, I it just it helps you, yeah, it helps you, right, yeah, um, and. You know, if you get another two or three wins a year for a team like Rutgers, it it changes the recruiting profile of your team. They you know, won some recruiting battles against James a, a Franklin. Player, they've, they've, beat, they've taken it's some players. Easier off. for a good player to say, you know what? Maybe if I go to that team, I could help them win. Right? Uh, I could be a star on that team and help them win. It's like exactly. It's like a yeah. A, 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 I, I don't want to be a star on a team that lo- that loses you know eight or nine games a year, but a, a, a team that I can help you know be competitive in the Big Ten. Well, that, like look at Purdue. That sounds appealing. Look at Pur- that, that's kind of like what where Purdue is currently, in my opinion. Like you know they yeah. had, they had Rondale Moore a couple years ago. They had David Bell last year. Um, you know these were star wide receivers that helped them win significant games. You know Rondale Moore helped them beat Ohio State that one year. Um, so it's like I think I think Rutgers could get to that. Level, I do, I definitely it it is very difficult to see them being a competitive 
you know, year in, year out, game in, game out on the levels of like, say, Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. I mean, obviously, well, and, and obviously Rutgers has East, beat us have, before, too. I know that. In the East, they have a, a nearly impossible task in the right, short run. Right. But in the long run, who knows? And especially if we, we jettison the uh, divisions, um, they might have a much easier path to, to making you know, making a play for it in, in certain years. Man, I so, really love my hey, two-minute um, Last thing. <laughs> oh, man. Last thing, just just the AP updates. We, um, I think we already mentioned Penn State up to number 10 just by virtue of other teams losing. Uh, Ole Miss made the biggest jump of the, of the week. Um, they jumped five spots leaping over Penn State to the number nine position. I think that's fair for win them. against Kentucky. We don't have a win over uh, a Kentucky top 25 team, so that makes sense. Yeah, Kentucky and NC State punished pretty severely, dropping six and four spots for their losses, which is surprising because they're playing top teams, but whatever. If you lose, well, people hate you. Well, no, I mean, they they haven't won against any any top 25 top teams. Top, yeah, yeah. so you, you call Florida a top team. A lot of people look at Florida a no. lot differently than they did back when they were preseason ranked, you know, so. Um, three unbeaten teams make their first appearance, TCU, UCLA, and Kansas, all undefeated and all ranked in the uh, teens now. Yeah, I think Syracuse is still waiting for their chance. Yeah, it's surprising, but might be the virtue. Unless they lost they a game ha- that I'm not aware played. of, but I think they're still no, undefeated. I think they are undefeated. I I, I read that somewhere yeah. this week. Um, all right, and um, oh, maybe they only have four wins. Maybe they had a bye week in there. Um, and then uh, finally, uh, seven teams dropped out of the poll. Let's hear them. Who are they? Week with losses: Baylor, mm. Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Minnesota. Florida State and Pittsburgh all dropped out. You know, it's interesting, like um, with Oklahoma dropping out, like and USC being in the top, what, six now? Um, Something like that. Yeah. Six. It's like, you know, Texas A&M also kind of, you know, dropping out like we talk about parity in college football and it's like these are significant programs that are not in the top 25. And I know it's not the end of the season yet. But yes, Ohio State, Penn, I'm sorry, yes, Ohio State, um, you know, Georgia and Alabama are still the top three. And that's what everyone, you know, hey, college football is so predictable. We, all, we know what teams are going to be there in the end. It's like you had Cincinnati and Michigan crash the party last year. Yes, the SEC still won the dance. They still won the big, the, 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 the whole, the whole dang thing. But, you know, there are signs that like, it's not as predictable as as you all think, and and like things do change eventually. Like Nick Saban's not going to be there forever. It, it, it hey, look at the bottom half of the top ten, uh, starting at number six USC, number seven Oklahoma State, number eight Tennessee, number nine Ole Miss, and number ten Penn State. So I mean, yeah, these are teams that you know, you hear about in the top 25 every year, but to be in the top 10, um, that, that can be a little surprising, Tennessee's, especially when yeah, Tennessee's showing themselves to maybe be, be on their way back a little bit here. So yeah. Considering teams like, um, you know, Oklahoma are not in the top 10. Arkansas was in the top 10. Now they're gone. Baylor's out. Um, you know, so some of those big name teams are, Oh, by the way, Syracuse also made an appearance. They're number 22. Oh, okay. Okay. Them. Thank you. Yeah. They're five and out. Oh, number yeah, 22. That, that, that makes sense. Anyway. Hey, uh, you know what? 
We've been beating around the bush. Let's get to our game. It's been an hour almost. Let's talk about this Penn State game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, you know, it's nice to know, though, that like there's chaos all around, and somehow, somehow, Penn State managed to hang on for one of the ugliest wins that I've seen in a long time. My- I mean, it's Penn State, so there are a lot of ugly wins to draw on, but um, this was one of the hardest games for me to watch uh, that Penn State still ended up winning in a long time. Um, just describe for me, because we didn't really get to really talk about the game. We didn't have our post-game phone call. Describe what it was like watching this game. I will tell you exactly what it was like watching this game. It was like watching <laughs> a game from 2001, 2000, 2003, 2004, like 2010. The dark years. Yeah, 2010, 2011. The, it was like watching our offenses from those years where like there just wasn't any and that our defense had to carry the day, you know, and and the only difference was Joe Paternal just wasn't on the sidelines. Um, so it was it was very frustrating. It, Cliff Clifford looked like a, a bad quarterback. You know, I and yeah. I, I get it. I get that it was I get that it was rainy and sloppy and difficult circumstances. I just I, I it's it's too it, it's not an, it's not an excuse after watching I think what 37 38 games of Sean Clifford's entire career. Um it's it's not an excuse when I've seen him have these bad games many times and this might have been one of his worsts. Um just because, you know, the offense, especially when you consider the opponent, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's not that he looked bad against a clearly superior team. Yeah, you this know? is Northwestern that's that lost three in a row, one of them against an FCS Southern Illinois team. So it's just like we did not, we did not take them to the woodshed like you would have, like, by the way, my, my, <laughs> my pick, <laughs> your prediction, my prediction. For the last I mean, I, I, I guess we knew there was a chance of rain. I didn't realize the rain was going to be the hurricane. Um, I, and right before the day before or the, or just before the game, I, I said to you and, and the guys, I was just like, I am feeling very bad about my prediction for yeah. the game. And, and lo and behold, it, it was worse than I even ever could have imagined. If you had told me, Last week that Penn State was going to beat Northwestern, I'd be like, heck yeah, we are. And then you would have told me the score of 17 to 7. I'd have been like, you got to be kidding me. Like, yeah, if you if you would have said Penn State's going to score 17 points in this game, I would have said we're going to lose. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, it really, really reminded me of the Illinois game last year. Absolutely. I mean, and I really felt like... um you know, especially as we got bogged down and then, uh, you know, we let him back into the game with a touchdown in the second half and then they're driving and get down to the, you know, inside the 10. I'm like, it's going to be 14 to seven, 17 in a, you know, half a second. And, and this game is going to go to overtime. And it's, I mean, it really, I thought it was going to be an exact mirror of that game. So, you know, credit to the defense for, uh, you know, shutting them down, doing what needed to be done. Because I tell you what, the offense scored three points in the second half. Three points. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, I, I would, uh, we haven't I mean, even mentioned how many fumbles we've had. Uh, so we had we had Nick Singleton uh, fumble twice. We had Kevon Lee then fumble after Nick Singleton was pulled, uh, and then you know, um, Katron Allen, the the you know Big Ten freshman of the week was. 
I guess, you know, suspended, left out, suspended for the first half. Yeah. He he came in and and started taking over and was doing well. And then he fumbled and they brought Nick Singleton back in. Um, Kevon Lee, by the way, didn't get back in the game after he fumbled, which is that's uh, disconcerting. Um, So and then, of course, our our fourth running back wasn't able to play in the game because he decided he was done with Penn State football altogether. Devin Ford. Yeah, Devin Ford. Devin Ford. Um, you know, uh, basically said, uh, "I'm I'm focusing on academics. I'm I'm done with football." Which, by the way, that that's a curious statement that he may makes. You know, going into this game, um, because the week before or so, he there was a special on him saying how he was like, oh, "Yeah, I didn't transfer out of Penn State because my grandmother always told me to finish what you started." <laughs> So curious timing after the fourth game of the season, by the way, um, which, by the way, that four four game mark is, um, you know, when you can redshirt or not redshirt. Um, And he played as a true freshman in 2020 or 19, excuse me. Um, Hmm. So basically he could redshirt this year, sit, sit out and then still have two years of eligibility if he decided to transfer. So, um, interesting. Yeah. So anyways, this well, is the, look, the type of game that you think, Hey, maybe a, the most veteran veteran running back in the, in the, in the room could have played a significant role. Could have made a big impact. Could he could have. So yep. I, it's just curious. It was just, um, weird day. The other game that this reminded me of was the, uh, the Michigan state game in 2017 the delay game where it was also, yeah, the, 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 the delay game where it was just a, a sloppy, wet, gross listless offense in terrible weather, um, where a superior team, much more talented team, you know, that was trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley just right. led us an inferior team. And Michigan state was pretty bad at that time. Um, let them hang around and they stole a win from us, you know? And so again, I would say if we had had a delay in this game, we would have lost this game. I bet uh, the only, right. The only thing I, you know, you can say, you know, in the face of such disastrous performances, at least they figured out a way to win. And, and you give a lot of that credit to the, the defense. And that's where I'd like to start as we break down this game is it, the ugliness and the horrific play on offense in a lot of ways overshadowed what was a truly tremendous defensive game. So I want to just talk about a couple of things there. First of all, some pretty good pass defense. Okay. Um, we held uh, Helinski, which by the way, I was calling him Helsinki, last week, <laughs> which I think is like the capital of like Finland or something. But anyway, Finland or um, Poland, maybe no, it's not Poland. Then Finland. Sure. All right. Well, <laughs> I think it's, we'll have to look that up. Anyway, it's not Helsinki. It's Helinski. Um, we held him to just 210 yards passing on 37 attempts. He only completed 15 passes for 40% completion rate. All right. Um, and coming in, we had said this is a pass happy offense. And they, even in those conditions, they still attempted 37 passes. And our, our pass defense just, again, you know, going crazy another eight pass breakups man yeah you got 49 on the season they're, that's they're far and away the top team on pass breakups so it's curious though however that that was their game plan in the weather when they ha- were sitting on the the best run basically the the most um 
multifaceted running back, not just in the Big Ten, but I think in the uh, in the country. This guy, um, Evan Hull, was most all-purpose yards from scrimmage in I the country. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So so, and they just didn't utilize him. Or, or, or not enough, at least, because, you know, and maybe that's because our defense was shutting that down more so and they didn't feel like it. Yeah, was- he had um, 32 receiving yards. Right. So, again, our, our pass defense there. But um, how many by the rushing way, yards we- did he have? Yeah, well, look, let me just say, to close up the pass defense, um, Jair Brown also had an interception with a big return that set up Penn State really nicely, ended up, um, you know, setting us up for a score there. So, you know, we just, Halinski had a had a hellish day mm. against our defense in the passing game. Um, he also, by the way, um, lost one of his fumbles on a bad snap. Um, he was the cause of two of their turnovers, two of their three. Mm. So, um Pretty impressive day, I think, um, for for the the Penn State pass defense. Now, the, you'd think on a day like this, the running game for Northwestern would be their bread and butter, like you said, with a guy named Evan Hull, who has the most all-purpose yards from scrimmage. Um, we held him to forty-five yards rushing, yeah, on eleven carries. And when it's you the eleven carries, for, it's the eleven carries. That, yeah, that's the I mean, problem. Do you know how right. do you know how many carries that 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 um, Singleton and Katron Allen had combined? Yes, I do, because I looked it up. How many? 42. Exactly. So they nearly quadrupled between the two of them. Evan Hall, who arguably is the, mo- the best you know, offensive player on Northwestern's team, they nearly quadrupled his attempts in the running game. Thanks to um, tackles for loss and um, sacks, uh, the total rushing uh, yards gained by Northwestern on the day was 31. That's wild. So, you know, total offense for Northwestern, 241 yards total offense. That's so. That's not a bad day. <laughs> in the, in that, it's not weather. a great day. It's not a great day, but it's not a bad day in that weather. Is what I'm su- suggesting. Uh, it's their turnovers that that you know we were able to to really hamper them uh, as often as we were turning the ball over. Our defense was basically thwarting them completely uh, right away. Okay. So look, just, just to put a, a, an exclamation point on the, this defensive performance, uh, Penn state held Northwestern to zero or negative yards on 14 of their 28 rushing plays. Yeah. Half of their rushing plays were for zero or negative yards. Um, Penn State held Northwestern without a first down in the first quarter. Yeah, they came to play. Penn State forced a three and out on Northwestern's first five drives. The last time we did that was against what team from the Mountain West? Mm. Idaho. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize they were Mountain West. <laughs> Well, I guess not the conference. I just meant the region, but oh, because uh, they're an FCS team. I mean, the oh, last time okay. Penn State did last time Penn State did that was an FCS team. So we did that to Northwestern, uh, an FCS team in the Big Ten. No, just kidding. <laughs> Jeez. Um, we held Northwestern to seventy-eight total yards off offense in the first half. Yeah. The problem that I think we're now seeing yet again here that that you know. <sighs> that Penn State's offense cannot capitalize 
and play, I guess, minus the Auburn game a little bit. Even, but even in the Auburn game, on all our turnovers, we didn't, the offense didn't seize that momentum and score touchdowns on tur- off of turnovers, you know? Actually, I kind of I kind of see it a little differently with this game. I'd say without those turnovers, Penn State doesn't win the game because we scored 14 points after That's fine. Uh, I, two I, of those two I, turnovers. I'm, I, they can exist, you know, apart from one another, these two things. Uh, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, I agree with you. But at the sa- to the same token, the the you know, they're saving our offenses, but on one hand and on the other hand, the, the offense is continuing to do the defense, no favors for their rewarding them for their hard or, you know, hard work and their hard efforts. Yeah. I, I'll say it wasn't how we treated the turnovers. Probably this game It was every other drive. That was the problem. Um, look, we had, uh, we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about um, the the problems and particularly talk about the offense, you know, those five turnovers, I mean, they're backbreaking, they're backbreaking. And he, so I think they're like, you, you, you kind of take a look at what won the game for us. It's three things and it's all the doing of the defense. All right. Number one, our defense did not allow Northwestern to score any points off of our five turnovers. Yeah, they, we gave the ball back to Northwestern. Northwestern did not get any points. They only off of that. they only gained eight yards on the, our turnovers after the the drives immediately following our turnovers. Our defense only sa- sacrificed eight total yards of offense. Eight total yards. Here's the result of those of those five drives for Northwestern after our turnovers: punt, interception, turnover on downs, punt, turnover on downs. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, so the second thing we already talked about this, but those are the three forced turnovers, turnovers of our own: two fumbles, one interception. Um, Nick Tarburton uh, had both a fumble recovery and a strip sack, which was recovered by Curtis Jacobs. Um, J.R. Brown had an interception. Um, as we said, led to 14 points. That was the difference in the game. Uh, we're now up to 11 forced turnovers in our last three games. Uh, which is the most since 1996 over any three game period. Wow, um, it's pretty significant. So our D line had a had a decent a decent day production wise. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, actually, and um, not to cut you off, but that's the third thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, our defensive line, you saw it in the run game, but in particular, we had a huge goal line stand in the fourth quarter. Yeah, we, do you remember that? Do you remember yeah. that drive? Yeah, of course. I mean, this was the point at which the game was going to be lost by Penn State. I mean, not on the scoreboard because it would have only been 14 to 17, but that's a that momentum was, shifter for sure. Totally. And I, to me, the the turning point in the game was that goal line stand. PJ must. I was just going to. Yeah, that's he was our our tackle leader for the for the game. And he, he looked, led the team in tackles. He he's really rounding into form right now. Yeah, I agree. Um. Which is great timing, by the way, coming up with Michigan. Yeah, I'll say. We'll um, need them to have an even by the more way, just prior to that play, Just prior to that play, they had um, uh, thrown like a little swing pass or screen pass or something. Uh, open field to the end zone. You know who made that stop? You have to remind me. Joey Porter Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, open field tackle yeah. on the two-yard line. Yeah, on the boundary there. Yep. 
Yeah, he's so that stand was really the, the the turning point in the game. And I'll just say, uh, beyond the goal line stand, by the way, um, Penn State um, had five turnovers on downs against Northwestern's offense. Yeah, they played stout, man. They did, and and it's Northwestern, so you'd expect them to, and they did. So that's that's good news. <laughs> uh, Northwestern's last four drives of the game after their touchdown. Uh, were turnover on downs. That was the one on the one turnover on downs on the Northwestern 35 punt and turnover on downs at the Penn state 42. By the way, that, that turnover on downs at the one, our, our goal line stand, that was also a dangerous position for the offense to be in at that point in time with the amount of fumbling, the amount of fumbling that we had done to that point in the game. I know I was really worried he about threw that. the ball. Clifford threw the ball for like a seven yard gain or something like that. And, and like, that's what gave us the room. But I, I that was yeah, a and terrifying moment. That, <laughs> yeah. After that, it was, there was a big run. Yeah. Um, I, I can't, I can't remember. I think it may have been, um, Cage. I think it was Cage Allen at that point, a uh, big run, like a 17 or 19 yard run yeah. or whatever, really give us some breathing room. And on the very next play, that was Catron's fumble. fumble. Yeah. So we gave the ball back to them, yeah. by the way, in, 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 at, um, in the, deep in our territory. Yeah. And we did, and they didn't get anything out of that either. So, nope. <laughs> so our defense was had to play the way they played or else we were going to lose that game. That's, that's basically what it amounted to our, our offense. The other, yeah, go. the other big factor of the day, um, that Ooh, really yeah. led complimentary with special the teams. Absolutely. Yeah. Punting. Barney Amor, uh, the, the Big Ten you know how Special many, Teams Player uh, of the Week. Y- by yeah, the way. Barney Amor, Special Teams Player of the Week. Uh, do you know how many return yards Penn State allowed? No, on, I definitely uh, off don't. Of our punts? I definitely don't. Zero. How many did we have? I know Parker Washington had there a decent one. There were five punts, zero return yards. Yeah. Four of his five punts were inside the 20, three of them inside the 10 at the 7, well, 4, One inside the, the 5? Wasn't one inside the 5? Yeah, one was at the four yard line. Okay, um, yeah, he's he he doesn't have the leg that Gillikin as far as like power that Gillikin and Stroud possessed. Um, Who is that one? Said Stroud that, again, didn't I? <laughs> I do it every what, time. <laughs> you have some sort of brain oh aneurysm in that gosh. part of your noggin. Holy cow! Wow. Yeah, Jordan Stout, Blake Stout. Gillikin. They did have a big foot. They could you know pound it you know, 55, 60 yards if they needed to. But, you know, of course, most of the time you don't need to. Yeah, right. And even even then, some of the times you overkick your coverage. Right. Um, and part of what Jordan Stout was really good at was was high punts with a lot of hang time. Right. Yeah, he did have that. But but Amor but, you know, has is, not just um, the placement, some, right. and maybe he's just blessed by God. I don't know. But, like, the way these oblong balls hit the earth when he punts them, they they – Bounce the exact right way inside the five and ten yard lines that you would want them to every single time. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I think he's in the top twenty in net yardage. You know, so like not including returns, which is a little better of a stat than just total yeah uh, yardage on punts, average punt yardage. Um, but look, he leads the country in two categories: percentage of punts inside the twenty at sixty one percent. And percentage of punts inside the 10 at 52%. What, do you know what the next closest are for, for both those? I don't. Okay. I don't. All right. 
but um, that, I'd be interested I mean, to know what the what. That's what, crazy. Half of his punts are are landing inside the ten yard line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's like uh, an unquantifiable um, like power to the for this whole team. That, that like you know we have all these statistics and no one really harps on what how important making a team, especially especially a team like uh, with Penn State's defense. Who is bend and not break? If you give you know the opponent uh, ninety yards that they have to go, like it yep. certainly uh, plays into the advantage of that style of defense. It's a lot of room for bending. Yeah, but but also yes, and it, it's a, well. So what it also is is a lot, it's a lot more opportunities for the defense to get tur- to to create turnovers too. Exactly, more more reps. Yes, to have that splash play. Exactly that makes the difference. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it increases the um, pressure on the offense to play uh mistake free. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, great, great job on special teams. By the way, Jake Penninger had a 38 yard field goal in the, in rain, the rain. That's that was to huge. make it a two score game Dude, in the fourth quarter. I can't uh, tell that you was, how <laughs> like relieved I was when he hit that field goal. Like that was a very, very, very important field goal at that point in time with the way the game was going. Very. Yeah, important. that was Penn State's response to Northwestern's uh, touchdown. And and by the way, the very next drive is the one where they drove it down to the one yard line. And if we had um, had those three points, they wouldn't have had to go for it for a touchdown. I mean, who knows? I mean, there's there's a lot of speculation. I mean, I I think you're at the one yard line. You go for it. You go for it there. That was a right call on Northwestern's maybe. part in that in those conditions. That maybe maybe your last chance, but. You know, it, just the breathing room. Imagine if it were fourteen to seven, and they have the ball at the one yard line. Right. That's what I'm saying. <sighs> wow. <laughs> anyway, okay. Look, there's no way that Penn State should have even been in that position. Yeah. It's a travesty. <laughs> yeah. And we have the offense to thank for that. Um, it was, it was just a really deeply frustrating uh, performance to watch on the offensive side of the ball. Now, look, there, there was. A bright spot. Um, we already talked about Northwestern's running game. They only got 31 yards net on the ground. Uh, Penn State actually had, you know, from a yardage perspective, a very good day on the ground. Four running backs had. You mentioned the 21 carries for each. Uh, Who was the fourth uh, running back? Allen, but also um, Kevon Lee added 10 carries. So 52 carries total by our running backs. Um, and they gained 200 and something like 220 yards or something. Who like that. was the fourth running back? Are you talking about Clifford? Did I say four? You I said four. Three. You said four. Okay. Okay. Three running backs with, for 52 carries uh, with Clifford's three runs. There, there were a total of 55 running plays for 226 yards from scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, you know, that's very respect. That's almost as much as all of Northwestern. Oh, and by right the there. way, on a very one dimensional day for Penn State's offense, too, where Clifford was not getting hardly anything at all going in the passing game. They could key on the running game and we still were able to run it 52, say 52 times, 52 yep. times for 55 with Clifford. 50, yeah. yeah, right. So for, you know, positive yardage by and large on every every run. Each of our running backs uh, had a, a 4.0 yards per carry average or better. Yeah. I mean, that's no complaint. Now, there were too many, in my mind, too many 
zero yeah. yard running plays and and run plays for uh, one or two yard losses that that definitely brought down that average but there were enough longer runs in there um enough solid runs in there that it, it was a very solid running game performance day and it also led to a, a dramatic uh imbalance in time of possession we had the ball for 37 minutes and 28 seconds Almost yeah. a full 15 minutes more than Northwestern had the ball. I mean, <laughs> that's a full quarter, man. You know, it's crazy. It is crazy. Like it was, and, and that really, <laughs> it's, it's such a, a statistical anomaly. This whole game is a statistical anomaly in a lot of ways, at least for our, our offensive performance. It's like you, you have, you possess the ball for a, an entire quarter more than the opponent and you still, only one by 10 points, you know, and it's, I mean, it's just <laughs> maddening. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, and, and I don't know when you want to start diving into Clifford here. Um, let's, let's, let's put a, a pin in Clifford. Cause the first thing that we have to, the most egregious part of the day that, that, you know, as good a running day as it was, it was the turnovers. Yeah. Yeah, five turnovers, dude. Five four, turnovers. Four, four by the running backs. Four fumbles. Two of the two of them, you know, excuse me, three of them by the true freshman running backs. And it's like, okay, did the did the true freshman, um, you know, did their bubble burst? And and this is like, okay, this is a learning um, game for them. Well, it better be a learning experience right, for them. I'll right. tell you what. But also, what happened? When to- was the last time Penn State gave the ball up five times and still won? By the way, uh, I mean, I think the last time it happened was in two thousand twelve. I think if I remember correctly, did um, we win that game? I don't recall. It was a statistic they showed uh, maybe in the game uh, while well, it was being aired, but I don't recall. Um, my I guess mean, is just, my guess is we did rule, not. My guess is we did not win that game. As a general rule, you don't turn the ball over five times and win the um, game. So, but but so so you have the running backs. You know, you think, oh, this is a freshman problem. But then Kevon Lee did it, and oh, and, and then you think, okay, well, this is a this is a running backs problem, but but even. Clifford was just like abysmal in in just his decision making and his throwing. He he he. Yeah, he had an interception. There would have been should have had a second. There absolutely should have been a second. And so so it's not just these the the running backs and it's not just the freshmen. It is it was a problem with the with the offense all day and and I mean like it's just it. You think you're, you'd think your sixth-year senior quarterback would be the person that you could go to rely upon when the when all of the entire running back room is 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 you know you know making you work with at least one arm tied behind your back in terms of get, forking the ball over, but Clifford just did not take up the leadership mantle of being reliable. And and powering us through f- to get a win, he just didn't at any point. He, he he had basically one play that looked like great in my opinion. It was the one play um, to Brenton Strange that went for that yeah. that touchdown where he he like he like faked a, a handoff and then did a pump fake and and really kind of fooled everybody. And you almost thought it was like Clifford was screwing up because you just haven't seen this kind of play from from Clifford. And oh yeah, it was like a it was like a fake toss. Yeah. 
and cause the um, linebacker to to head toward the the running back, right. and then right. you know Brent Strange kind of squirted out the backside, and yeah, it was a great play. Yeah, um, it was. And it, was I thought, it was a I, yeah, great play. I thought play. Clifford was being Clifford. Like, what did you totally, doing? And totally. Then, like a touchdown. Yeah. Well, I give him one more. Um, there was a really good pass to um, Parker Washington. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, crossing out. It was like a forty-three yard gain, the longest pass of the day. Um, very nice looking pass. Um, you know, you mentioned the one to uh, Michael Tinsley backed up Mitchell. against the goal line, or excuse me, Mitchell Tinsley. Um, so he, he had, you know, a handful of decent. They looking did not passes overshadow that, the rest of the. Oh, not by a long shot. And besides the near interceptions, you also had some just really egregious misses and poor decision making. And he was. Look, he was 10 of 20 passing he on the day. He was running backwards and throwing off his back foot uh, multiple times. and That's how the interception came, by the way. Right. Like, six years playing college football, and I don't care how many different offensive coordinators you have, that's, that's basic foundational stuff. For, uh, Absolutely. I'm saying this as someone who's never played the quarterback position. I've watched it. That's it. I period. do not assume but, that I could do it any better than Sean but, Clifford, but, but I'm, I'm not the quarterback yeah. in state football yeah. for a reason. Yeah. So, so I, I, I'm pretty sure it's extremely basic foundational stuff that you have to be like, stay in the pocket, keep your feet planted and, and throw off a solid th- like base. All right. And Clifford time and time again is just uh, like, it's, it's like he's just, and his, his brain breaks down, and then everything else breaks down as soon as one, as soon as like a play, uh, like a defensive player comes shooting through a gap or around around the edge or whatever it is. As soon as he feels pressure, he breaks down, and he has a habit of being unsettled, and yes. you know, like like it's it's habitual. It's habitual when stuff breaks down that that everything else. You know, it's just he falls into this, you know, terrible pattern, and 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 people been, people can be like, well, what about that time where he he brought us back against Purdue after his interception? It's like, yeah, if you go back and you watch that drive, Clifford was throwing the ball in under three seconds and not holding on to it. He is playing with a sense of urgency, and there there basically wasn't a chance for the defensive line to to basically get in his face at all cuz he was just getting rid of the ball immediately. Um and and that's because he had to cuz we didn't have enough yeah, time. Yeah, I mean like to how be- many times do you look at a guy like I don't know, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or you know Ben Roethlisberger when he's playing where you have a free rusher coming at him and they step to the side you know, yeah. shake them off and then, you know, set your feet and just destroy the defense uh, who gambled on that, you know, running backwards uh, is uh, never going to give you the time you need to set your feet when a de- defender is running at you consistently lets basic pressures completely unsettle him and mm-hmm. either force him into egregious errors that, that, you know, like an interception that costs the game or just squander a play. I mean, you wonder why you have so many empty drives. Uh, a big part of the reason is that Sean Clifford under pressure can't find a way to get positive yardage. It's just, it's, Andy, it's sad. Andy, it's you sad. Know, it, it's sad. I like, I like Sean Clifford. I mean, uh, I, I want to like someone him. said, <laughs> someone said, um, you know, the way he responded, you know, in his interview after, 
you know, after the game, which I didn't see. Just, just the height of professionalism. Sure. You know, he took responsibility. He has to be better. He was respectful. He was, you know, he wasn't indignant or defensive. It's like professionalism is good, right? Like you, you want that kind of character in someone, but you know, and at least in this particular context, you, what you want first is someone who can actually perform in the situations that you're asking them to perform in. Yeah, it, he's certainly not, you know, indignant in the way that, say, uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield was in their loss to the Cardinals this this past weekend, where he basically said, I don't care that the fans are booing me. I, you know, like, I'm not here for the fans. I'm, I'm, he's like, I'm here for the guys in the locker room. And that's great for the locker room guys, but, but your fans are the ones who are <laughs> out there all, all, all day. You know, you're playing for the fans. You, you actually kind of are. And in a, lot, in a lot of respect. Yeah, without the fans, you're probably not there in the first place, it, right? Precisely. <laughs> so, so you know, Andy, it, we have wanted to see a track of Sean Clifford in year six, his year six, that that you'd like to see the best of Sean Clifford going into the bye week before our hardest three game stretch. You'd like to yes, see. You you'd would. like to see that, and and I don't and. <laughs> I am very I don't think Sean Clifford is capable of leading us three and0 in these next three games personally. I personally don't believe that uh, and especially if if um, the rest of the offense isn't clicking like they weren't in this game and and that's not even we haven't even mentioned the fact that like you know he didn't even go to his number one receiver this season more than one time for that one t- for that Talking touchdown about Brenton Strange Brenton Strange it's like it's like the tight ends disappeared after that essentially more or less and a game where you'd think the tight ends would be crucial absolutely so Clifford's not even finding game. his most reliable options to throw to yeah. Um, in a game where he's having a, a poor showing and it just really makes me wonder, you know, like w- th- if he's e- capable of elevating either himself or no, I don't think he's capable of elevating himself consistently. Um, I think that his track record has proven that. And I don't think he's capable of elevating this team, putting this team on his shoulders against the best competition. He did it for one. He did. He did it against Purdue. Uh, he wasn't asked to do it against Auburn. Um, he is lucky that it worked out that that our defense carried the day against um, Northwestern, but against Michigan, Minnesota, and um, Ohio State, I don't think that the yeah. uh, the the running game, the defense, and the special teams will all be clicking. Uh, in those three games in a row, if and you know, to to make up for Sean's inconsistencies, um, so you're gonna need. I mean, in this conference, in this division, you need a quarterback that can be a difference maker uh, if you're gonna win yeah. the conference. You and, just do. And I'm really, I'm. This is so. This is where this is where it is. You got a five star, the number one quarterback in high school football last year. Uh, Drew Aller, who granted has not been asked to do a lot when he has come in games. He has not been asked to carry the teams. He has not been, he basically it's all been mop up time minus a couple of passes in the Purdue game. Um, you know, we, I, I, but I wonder with this bye week, does, is, is your you know, is he, that's his recruit, you know? 
Do you know um, Franklin said he was asked about this? I know, and he said that no one talked about it. No one talked about it. It was never even brought up. Well, I get it. I get it. That's not the right situation necessarily to bring Aller in in a game where it's so sloppy. Um, I get that. That makes sense. But if you have two weeks to prepare for prepare your um, five star recruit who's played some football now. Give him two weeks to prepare for Michigan on the road. It might not be the craziest notion in the world. To, to, well, to, if you don't, if if it's not a rainstorm and a hurricane, I could certainly see Aller coming in if Clifford is inconsistent. I'm talking about mistake. starting the kid. I mean, I talked about have him have him start in, in Auburn. Uh, you know, I think Michigan's a different animal. I I don't know. I, I mean. I would not be upset if that were the case. I, just I don't think, think Michigan's that, a, like, a, let's put it this way. If, if Sean, it, it, like if you, Sean starts and he puts us behind, you know, we're down 14, you know, 21 points, whatever, when it's like, okay, now we'll go to the, the, the freshman. That's, I don't think that's putting drew in the right position, but, but if you give him, you know, the confidence that he's going into that game to, to start, that's a totally different animal. And I don't think Michigan's going to be nearly as difficult as Ohio state person. I think it's, you know, I think what's likely to happen in, and he needs experience week, before Ohio state, if he's going to be playing in Ohio state. Cause I think what's, what's likely to happen is that uh, Sean Clifford's um, inconsistencies are going to lose us. Absolutely. You know, you know, a, a go- lose us one or more of these upcoming three games. I, I mean, I just totally believe the, it. the odds are looking back over his career that that's just that's just likely to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, at the same time, it just seems like these coaches, Franklin, Yurcich, have been risk averse enough that they still like the, you know, what's the phrase, you know, the devil, you know, rather than the devil, you don't like you know, but I just, you, but do you realize the value in, get, I mean, dude, you're, I'm, I'm with, I guess you. I'm, like, I guess I'm what I'm suggesting is not, do they realize the value? I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, we'll find out. I, I, I know we're not previewing Michigan right now, but, but, but I don't know how much we're going to get out of talking about Northwestern too much. And I really think we're at this point in, in the season where Clifford hasn't just, just, you know, been a great game manager. You know, he's, he has shown significant, um, deficiencies yet again, significant ones. Here's what, here's what, um, uh, Franklin's comments on Clifford were in this post game press conference. Not reason he does not sound good in this, by the way, <laughs> in my opinion, quote, 10 of 20 with one interception and one touchdown. Obviously, that's not up to the standard that he normally plays at. He had the one interception, and there could have been a couple of others. That's the extent of Franklin's comments about Clifford. <laughs> it, it, you know, so maybe there's something under there. What, a, I mean, by the way, Franklin was, be. I'm going to use this word again on this podcast, Franklin was apoplectic um, at times. Hey, Siri, what does apoplectic mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just I you know I, I agree like sure he said that in the post game press conference right so so he just witnessed you know five turnovers four from his running backs which by the way Franklin has never looked so heated on the sideline in all of his Penn State days 
I mean, he was hot. Now, yeah, he was super ticked off. Now, I, I personally way, don't um, put any. By the way, uh, our word from our sponsor, Miriam Webster, <laughs> apoplectic, quote, overcome with anger, extremely indignant. Yeah. Uh, it's a dated reference relating to or denoting apoplexy, which is an old fashioned word for stroke. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> so I'm feeling a, what, a bout like, of apoplexy coming on. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like you're you're so upset you're gonna give yourself a stroke he, like that's how was he angry you are. is that <laughs> <laughs> all right so so you know a lot a lot during the game we would commented like oh my gosh that's franklin's finally showing emotion not not good old-fashioned folded arms franklin um <laughs> as as is you know tradition when when we are playing poorly in games or losing in games especially franklin just seems to be indifferent with his arms folded on the sideline and this was you know a a a deviation from that to say the least now i personally don't think that it that it did any good you know to see that type of emotion in franklin because he wasn't really directing it he was just kind of having a little tantrum to himself he wasn't like getting after the team. He was, I, I, so I don't put any uh, a lot of stock into to to finally seeing some emotion from Franklin on the sidelines because it just again I just didn't see it directed to, towards any positive outcome. Um, but you know, yeah, it didn't change the emotional tenor of the team that we could see. Right, exactly. Like it didn't light a spark. Correct per se. Yeah. Right. Um, we, we, you know, we have, defense, the, we have in the past the defense Franklin, was the sorry what what. Yeah, I was gonna say the defense is the one that carried the team, and they play continue to play well. Mm-hmm. But it didn't like change the tenor of things on the offense because there was another fumble after that, and they didn't end up scoring. You know, other than that that field goal. Okay, so so, so let's let's round this back to 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 Clifford in my where I was going with this with Franklin. Yeah. Um. And, and his especially after you mentioned his post game quotes. Um. I think it opens a glimmer. Um. Of like, are, are the coaches, do they think they need to do what's best for the team and go against the, 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 the loyalty aspect that they have clearly given to Sean over his entire career? Um, you know, how much leash did, 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 was Sean Clifford going to be getting this year leading into this three game gauntlet? I mean, this is Franklin's ability to recruit is, is going to be on the line here, in my opinion. Um, not his ability, but like, um, you know, you recruit a five-star quarterback, and you you got you've given it him- is curious that you get you keep him on the bench as much as you have, you know, with Clifford continuing to perform, you know, and you've obviously shown the ability to play all, seven other true freshmen. Um, players and burn their red shirt, by the way, yep. at this point yeah, in the season. Fascinating. And, and Drew didn't get in at all in this game. Not that necessarily, again, I'm saying he, he would have been wise to. Um, I'm actually glad he ended up not, particularly given the fact that we got the win, um, because it just might have, it might have looked looked bad and you might have you know uh, in a sloppy game like that like <laughs> you know let let cliff take take all those reps i guess you know but um andy do you like this is the type of decision that can make or break a season moving forward in my opinion and then and then on top of that how many five star qbs are going to be wanting to continue to come 
to Penn State if they re, if they think that they're middling, you know, or underperforming six-year senior quarterback is going to get all of the, you know, the significant playing time while you sit there and waste one of your years, um, you know, and by all counts, everyone thinks that, that Drew Aller is the type of guy that's going to be gone after three years. So, so it sends a message to not just the team, not just the fans, but to the entire, like, you know, high school recruiting world that like, Hey, if you're good enough, you'll play. Yeah, there's the other side of the coin, which is what does it do to your team, you know, to bench your captain and the guy who's, you know, who's been with you and and struggled with you through the the COVID years and all that kind of stuff. I I get I, I get your point, and I, I you know I think yeah. What part does it do to your team when like, you're throwing interceptions and pick sixes that are almost costing you the game? I think how you handle these kinds of mistakes absolutely is is says a lot about what you're building on your team. I'm just saying you need to think not only about those recruits, but about the message you're sending to the rest of your team. I, you know, it is, you're set, you're right at keeping him in or benching him is a season defining decision um, one way or the other. And that's why a guy named James Franklin gets paid millions and millions of dollars. And I mean, get to sit here and make no money and criticize his decisions around it. Um, you know, I, to me, I think in the long run, Drew Aller is going to give you a better chance to win the games. What about this year? What about these next three games? I don't know. Uh, you know, I think the risk reward here with what, knowing what we have from Clifford, knowing what we're probably going to get from Clifford, um, the coin flip that is he, um, I, like I, I, I feel like it's worth the risk to start to give the keys to Drew so he can get significant playing time moving forward and develop for his sophomore year as well. But also the ceiling of Drew still appears to be like he has the talent to maybe go and, you know, elevate this team over the course of these next three games. I mean, yeah, I, I, let me just say, I'm glad I'm not the one making the decision, you know, <laughs> um, I, what do you have to lose? I, I you wish were, I, you, you're a 500 ball I wish club I the last better. two years. I wish I felt better going in to these big three games that are really going to define our season. Well, you wouldn't choose and Drew if we were five and oh, looking great going forward. And Clifford could I, I still just, do the exact thing that he's likely to do. Even if we looked great coming out of Northwestern. Yeah. Like you said, we just haven't seen any change from Clifford that would say, you know, that the coin flip aspect of his inconsistency isn't going to rear its ugly head. And it, certainly for the last two games, those mistakes haven't really well, let's put it this caused way. Let's, the game, but the next three, it, it's likely it, to. It, and um, yeah, it's just discouraging. Well, I, let's look at it this way. Like how many games over the first five games has Sean looked like, Good enough. Two out of five. That's less than fifty percent. So if we yeah. if we are to you know the coin flip, he's less than a coin flip in those games in five games, right? Yeah, maybe maybe we'll get heads up. Maybe we'll get the heads up coin in in two of the next three. But you just don't like those odds, it, you know. He, you just don't like against those lesser odds. competition. He's two for five as far as um, playing like a good. I quarterback. don't think you can predict 
which games Clifford's going to look good in, and what, and it's not based on the competitive competitiveness on the of the opponent. Exactly. So that which is again head scratching. But anyway, look, we need to we need to bring this thing in for a landing. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're going into a bye week. Penn State's going into a bye week. Um, James Franklin's got some things to think about, including with his quarterback. But he. Um, he clu- concluded his press conference with a list of the things that they're going to be working on during the bye. Interestingly enough, quarterback play wasn't one of them. Here's what he listed as his to-do list for the bye week. Get healthy, work on ball security, you think, short yardage offense, third down defense. He said, quote, I think we've done a pretty good job of getting the third and long, getting to the third and long situations, but then we've let people off the hook. So third down defense and then um, getting a head start on scouting opponents. I don't know what you think about that list, but I'm curious, what's your to-do list for Penn State during the bye week? Yeah, number one would be ball security for sure. Like that's that's you got to correct that for sure. And I know that we're not going to be dealing with with um, monsoons and hurricanes every single game. But let's hope but, not. that was not fun. But you got to you, you got to nip that in the bud. So so certainly a, an emphasis on that should be legit. Um, and then um, I'm saying the quarterback play is is number number two, if not if not one B, because, you know, again, I if you're choosing Drew, you got two weeks. And today's Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday, so you know I I, I think they do Sunday off, and then they get back to you know, work Monday it's or something. I, like I just that. thought about Monday this. Off, I forget the Iowa game last year when Clifford was injured. Right, came right before the bye week, oh, and, and they had two weeks. Yeah, to, to prepare Taquan Roberson, a new quarterback, and they went with the injured Sean Clifford. <laughs> Yeah, like what I'm saying is like this, you know, and they had, by the way, Christian Veyu, who ended up being the, you know, the backup during the COVID game yeah. against Rutgers. Yeah. So, you know, I, they didn't really use the two weeks last year to prepare a quarterback when they needed to. I, what, James what is the not good. They're well, going to do that this year. James is not good coming out of a bye week. He is a losing, sure he has a losing record coming out of bye weeks uh, for Penn State. Um, so that's not good. Here's what, here's what I would say. From for me, my on my to-do list, I mean ball security is the obvious one. Um to me, I think game planning your next three opponents and installing new elements to the offense while shoring up the basics. You know what? Our offensive line actually hasn't looked all that bad. No, not at all. And I think that's actually something that you can build on and Let's put in some wrink like that little wrinkle um, this past week with that little pitch play that turned into a you know a, a touchdown to Brenton Strange. Uh-huh. I, I would love to see more the fake pitch um, play. Yeah, the fake pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to see some more little wrinkles, but then also just like the general game planning approach to these opponents that lets us, you know, get into a position where we can actually be competitive. Well, so I think. I think Michigan and Minnesota are are. I think we have a chance to be competitive in both of those games. And if we're not well prepared going into them, I I'm really really disappointed. Now again, if it's the Sean Clifford coin flip problem, um, you know what are you going to do? 
well, put in Drew Aller, I guess. But if it's just a, a shoddy game plan that looks like we're unprepared, that that really has me upset. Um, I yeah, they they should be par- preparing both quarterbacks like they're going to start. In my opinion, that's what should be going on. Um, but as far as you know. You know, we didn't see in at Purdue the defense playing the way they are currently playing. They instituted that basically for the Auburn game, and they've been going forward with it at full speed. Um, and I something tells me that that's the kind of mentality they should be having with this next three game stretch with the offense, like. Okay, like y- y- yeah, we've seen a couple of good running backs now between Evan Hull and Tank Bigsby. You know, we got two more big running backs coming, and um, was it Blake Corum and uh, Mo Ibrahim? Yeah. Uh, if we can, if we can limit those guys, I think our passing defense can feast, and and I think our defense has a chance to really give yeah, our I don't think, offense a chance to win the game. I don't think JJ McCarthy has seen um the type of flying around the ball that that our our um our defense is going to pose as far as scheme wise goes. Uh so so that that should be I think I think Manny Diaz will draw some cool stuff up. Um uh, and I'm excited to see it. I it also could it could go sideways and and just, you know, Especially if our offense is still turning the ball over, it could go sideways in Ann Arbor. But I, I do, I do think that um, our defense can, by and large, hold our own. And it's really just going to be on the offense to kind of um, to 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 not lose it. That's what I'm saying. Get, you got to get that offense humming between now yeah. and then, and coming with a with a great game plan. Hey, look, you know what? I, you'd like to feel better about a five and O team, but you know what's great? right now about it being a Penn State fan is we are undefeated still, which is something that a decreasing number of teams can say. Hey, we felt that way. Uh, we felt good about 5-0 and last year. We felt better about our 5-0 and last year, I think, than we felt about, than we feel about 5-0 and right I think now. so. By the way, um, it's only the second time since 1997 that we've been 5-0 and two years in a row. That's actually crazy. I should say it's the first time since yeah, 1997. Yeah, so That's crazy. Um, it is crazy. crazy. So, you know, let's, let's not, you know, l- let's not, uh, just write it off. Um, and actually that brings me to our mailbag for this week. So, um, let's go ahead and open up the mailbag. Mailbag time. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm now like assessing these little ditties and whatever, but like, when you created this one, uh-huh. <laughs> did did you uh-huh. find the that was that all one audio clip together, or did you piece the, the train? Did you piece the train over top of something else? Oh, the train and the crossing signal. What that? I I merged those two together. It was my brainchild. But the but the music. Oh, the music. Yeah, the music. Is it separate? The, the train and the crossing signal. You you merged all, all three of those together to create that. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that's, that's my creation. <laughs> My creation is it real? <laughs> I, 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 I gotta say, I'm working with limited resources here, so I, I can't remember at this just doing, at this I, point which was the thing that like spurred the the thought, you know. <laughs> but it just like I pictured like some guy in like a <laughs> yeah. ten gallon hat with a 
<laughs> you know, with a, a piece of hay sticking out of his mouth and the mail train coming through. Yeah, anyway. All right. Let, let, let's uh, hear it. Let's hear our mailbag. From, okay. I'm sure it's a <laughs> okay. new hey. write-in. Oh, uh, yeah. A new contributor. Um, This one is uh, Renteb Loage. <laughs> <laughs> really reaching for straws here. <laughs> <laughs> this one came in uh he created this name for himself it's actually joel bettner in reverse for if you weren't, you weren't aware of that okay anyway um okay here's the here's the mailbag uh five and oh feels good kinda we have a brutal slate of games ahead and the last two outings are not confidence inspiring so would you rather start the season five and oh and finish two and five or Start the season two and five and finish five and zero. Oh. So you're going to finish seven and five regardless. It's just a question: Would you rather a five game streak of no losses at the start or the end of the season? What do you think, bro? This is a literal poop sandwich of a question. <laughs> like, like I have there. I've thought about it. I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, there is no, there is no better version. There is no yeah. better way. You, We've you, lived both of these the last two years. More or less, you know. So, so No, the, the COVID year, we ra- we, we, were, we um we, finished with five wins, yeah, right? We, or finished uh, with four, four wins we four and five. Or whatever. We were four and five. We started 0 and 4. So, and, 0 and 5. Oh, so we, did we start 0 and 5? Yeah, okay. So whatever. Started 0 and 5 and, and we're undefeated at the end of the season. And then last year, we started 5 and 0 and then had a string of losses. And both of them felt bad. Yeah, there's like like there is no correct way here. This question is terrible. Um I just there's no there's no there's no there I can't like here here's the only way that I can like rationalize one over the other and it's I guess I'd rather go on a winning streak at the end to set up for the next year. Like that's the only thing I can make make sense wise of because because to go five and zero oh and be in the top ten or in last year's case the top what what we were third which is insane it's insane to me that we were third um, and but like you know to then to then lose two of the next five or whatever it was you know and then to be completely so far off the map that no one even cares anymore. Like, would you rather start the season ranked and end it unranked or start the season unranked and finish? Not that not that seven and five, you'll find yourself ranked, but like having momentum to to at least lead into the following season and off season. Like, I guess I'll take the off season momentum. Yeah, I mean, because the season's already down the toilet anyway. <laughs> right. In either case, the seven um, five season is terrible. Give me momentum that actually bleeds into the offseason that gives you a chance for winning for the following year. Okay. I think part of the problem with this question is that it presumes knowledge about the end of the season midway through the season. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, if you're a few games, like if you're five, six, seven games into the season, like there's just... You want to be five and zero. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. want an opportunity for the rest of the season to 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 be meaningful. Like I get you know, that. you can fall on your face. I like get we that. still have seven games out of which we could lose all of them. I mean, you know, Rutgers, Indiana. You you, you, are, you hope you don't lose. M- Michigan State sound seems like they're pretty woebegone right now. But uh, you know, technically, you could lose all seven. But I'd much rather be five and zero. Oh. 
with a chance to play significant games against top ranked teams and be in the mix, than be, you know, two and three, like, you know, say Michigan state right now and be, you know, when you play those games, you're not climbing back anyway. Yeah. But, you know, I I'd say with the benefit of hindsight, like you kind of now look, we ripped off four wins at the end of the COVID 2020 year. season. And if we hadn't turned down a bowl, maybe could have gotten five. And like, you sort of feel like maybe that's a consolation a little bit, but we didn't feel good about that season. No, not, not those four wins. They, the teams that we won against weren't like, we were, Michigan was bad that year and we beat them in Ann Arbor, yeah. didn't we? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, to me, I think actually probably the thing that in a seven and five season, the only thing that can make it a little bit better is if you win against one or two really yeah. decent opponents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, let's say, just for the sake of argument, we go seven and five this year, but we beat Michigan and Ohio State while we do it. <laughs> yeah, that'll feel better. Right? That'll feel better. Like, it's like, man, it could have been, but at least we beat those guys, and those were some good games to hang our hat on. You know, and then again, I don't think it matters whether the wins are at the beginning or the end of the season. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is the, that is all that really matters in college football. It's not like the pros where like a win is a win is a win in the pro in the in the college game. If you don't win against your your, you know, um, rivals, so to speak, or you don't win against good competition, you're not going to get rewarded for it. That's just the way it works. Rankings, even as flawed as they may be actually matter versus the optics of of the opponents you're playing against so with that said you know in this next three day stretch or excuse me three game stretch um if we lose any of them and look horrible you know that's not gonna be awesome if we lose but play competitively and we typically play ohio state pretty competitively um which is but you know, uh, not a. I I'm happy that we play Ohio State pretty darn close. It sucks we lose all the time to them, but you know we we have been there in those games. But Michigan, it's like boomer bust, and I don't want it to be a bust type of game. I don't want to see them just yeah. steamroll us. And you know, here's what I think about these next three games. Right? I mean, it's these next three games are make or break for our Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Now. Obviously, if you win all of them, sky's the limit on the season. But I think if you lose one and pick any one, if you lose one, you're still in the running for the Big Ten championship and a shot to play at the end of the season in a significant game, maybe even the CFP, depending on how the, if, the rest of the season. I mean, and if that you still one win the, is Minnesota, <laughs> then then you've you, got you gotta, it's all in your hands. Yeah, right. Because you because then you're you've won the Big Ten East and yeah. and and you can win the, the and Big Ten tiebreakers against Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, obviously, you're still coin flip flipper, <laughs> coin flip clipper, coin flip off. You know, you flipper. could lose the re- <laughs> any of the rest of the four games, but if you get through the three game gauntlet with just one loss, you've really got a lot to play for. Now, look, two losses over the next three games, I would say, it's probably understandable. Yeah, you know. It, it's just probably to me, this is like, and you can still go undefeated the rest of the way. And you have a two loss season and a really, really good building year for whatever comes next year. 
But I think if you lose all three, you really risk the rest of the season going down the toilet. And and th- that to me is where you, there's got to be a lot of focus. I just think it's uh, a dead end with Clifford, though. That's really what it, the, the mean, problem is. It's like the well, building ha- we'll blocks for ne- the building blocks for next year are already on your sidelines, and you're, you're, you're losing Clifford in the offseason. Whatever he did for us this year is gone, good or bad. And and like a team building continuity with their quarterback for next year is much more valuable to me and the team than going down the captain going down with its shit. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we've already we've already determined the fate of these next three games with Sean Clifford, you know, and I just like to point out these games haven't yet been played. There's still a lot to play for, so I don't want to be playing for next season already. And I think that's I don't think I don't think it's just playing for next season. I think it's both. That's with with Drew. That's my point. Well, that's that's to me where the assessment really comes in. The assessment really comes in. Which of these guys, all things considered, gives you a better chance to win against Michigan and then Minnesota and then I would just really like to know if Gersich is like whispering into into Franklin's ear. Like, hey man, oh, man. hey man, I mean, hey man, this is hey man, my guy over here, Drew Aller, the guy that I recruited that we took, you know, five yeah. that, that we picked him up before he was a five star, and he think we think he can be the savior of this program because you know, again, we've never had a arm talent of this caliber at Penn State under Franklin, you know. Th- there's a great episode in uh Ted Lasso. I don't know if you've watched that show, bro. I have. Um and um, they have to bench uh, their veteran uh, midfielder, Roy Kent. And Ted Lasso Roy doesn't want to do it. He, <laughs> yeah. Yes, he can't do it. And um, Coach Beard, you know, basically, uh, and, and their, um, you know, their, their kit man, um, yeah. Nate, uh, they basically give him the silent treatment because they know he's just, he's being emotional. He's being, you know, he's not making a choice in the best interest of his team. Exactly. And, and, and it's really the whole episode is, uh, you know, about Ted Lasso getting to the point where, you know, he talks to uh, Roy Kent about not starting and, and then Roy Kent's acceptance of that. It, it's a good episode. I, you know, uh, I think it's episode nine, season one. Just wow. Good memory. it. <laughs> I just rewatched okay. it. I just rewatched it. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's a good one. And, you know, it, it'd be interesting to be in the, you know, behind the scenes. You're right, bro. But um, hey, uh, uh, we get paid nothing for making these, uh, you know, prognostications. Um, Franklin's making the big bucks and, and he'll get to figure out how to handle it. Um, good news is, man, we don't have to worry about it this week. No, we don't. Because... It's a bye. We can enjoy uh, bad news. No Penn yeah. State football this week. Good news. No frothing at the mouth and, uh, you know, going apoplectic at <laughs> much like the first <laughs> week, how we could enjoy the full, the full weekend after beating Purdue on a, was it Thursday or Friday, Thursday night? Exactly. Um, we can enjoy well, this weekend um, without having to worry about Penn State losing. With that in mind, I just, I'm going to give you, um, a sense of what games you're going to be watching this weekend. All right. Um, that's where we're going to close here. are The games that are on, that I think that might be worth watching um, in the, in the early game bracket. All right. We've got, uh, I'm going to give them all to you and you can tell me sure. which one you think you're going to be watching. All right. Uh, number eight, Tennessee at number 25, LSU. That's at noon on ESPN. Number 17, TCU at number 19, Kansas noon on FS. That's the college game day game, uh, by the way. Interesting. Yeah, first time uh, Texas, ever. Texas, Oklahoma. For, for Lawrence. 
Texas Oklahoma Red River rivalry. Funny that they're not game day is not going to be there on their own networks. Red River rivalry. Oh, I can't even say it. That game they they changed it <laughs> and then to, finally, they changed it from Red River rivalry because it was so hard to say to Red River shootout. There you go. I swear, it's better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, the last one in the noon bracket. And I just throw this on here not for like entertainment value, but uh, scouting. A uh, Michigan at Indiana noon on Fox. Which of those do you think you'll watch? I guess maybe, I mean, they're all, uh, Kansas is probably the, the in most intriguing just from, um, you know, an, an interesting, new, fun perspective from, you know, a, a team that's kind of like making some waves. Um, so at Tennessee, LSU, uh, Brian Kelly's teams don't, you know, don't do much for me. Still very weird that he's there. Um, I will probably check in on the Oklahoma, Texas game, but like I have nothing invested in either of those two teams. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking at that TCO Kansas game as the most interesting one for me. Um, and I probably check in on the Michigan, Indiana game. Although honestly don't know how much information you're going to get watching Michigan dismantle Indiana. I mean, I'm pulling for Indiana. Uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, all right. Um, the midday games, um, you've got Auburn at number two, Georgia and Brian Harson's last game. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Hey, that hold on sure, real but. quick. I'm going to go back the Michigan, Indiana game. Let me just go ahead and restate, uh, at least on this podcast now that Michigan has had the absolute cakiest of cake schedules leading into Penn St- their matchup with Penn oh, State. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. you could have said, oh, you know, uh, their biggest test was Iowa, Maryland. Oh, I, I mean, I would have said their it, biggest it, test will have been Maryland. It could have been Iowa if Fox right. noon kickoff that didn't decide to, you know, make it a noon game for Iowa at Kinnick. Like that would have been a su- interesting. There'll be three noon games in a row for Michigan. That's I didn't realize that until now. Yeah. Well, it's because the, All right. well, because they're not interesting games because the game because their opponents suck, so they're throwing them in the, the at the noon slot. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> well, Fox likes that noon slot, I and mean, this is actually they're a, trying like, to polish a turd, and it's not working. The <laughs> the noon game, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the noon so slot. This will, in general, any noon slot is a is a turd. That's just well, check this out though. I mean, think about Fox. Three big noon kickoffs in a row for Fox will be the Michigan game. Yeah, it's, by the time it's we get weird. to Penn State, it's weird. So, anyways, so yeah, which by the way, that was officially announced this week. Yeah, that it's we all be knew it was going to be the there. big Clat revealed that a couple weeks ago in a podcast. Uh, real quick, so, um, so the last thing I'll say before you continue with your with these is that that so Mich- like you know Maryland gave them a game sure, but like if Penn State brings their A game to that to that game, uh, yeah, if we, we punch them in. We'll, the mouth, we we could be their their first true. True test, you know. So yeah, I hope we I hope we give them a wake up call. Yeah. All right. Um. So uh, midday window. Um. Auburn at number two, Georgia, three thirty CBS. Number eleven, Utah. At number eighteen, UCLA on Fox, and then a four o'clock game on ABC. Three number three, Ohio State at Michigan State. Those are all intriguing in their own ways. Um. I'm I'm just a college football fan, so I'm I'm interested in tuning in for upsets. Yeah, you'll flip around, obviously. Yeah. But like, which one is the one that you're most you know, is going to be your your anchor game? You know, going Auburn's probably going to get steamrolled. Um, uh, Michigan State's probably going to get steamrolled. Um, yeah, does, does Michigan State have enough of a pulse to like no. even do anything maybe the, against? Ohio honestly, State? maybe by the time that they, maybe by the time Michigan State plays us at the end of the season, they might. Which is always a dangerous game, in my opinion. <laughs> Great thought um, there, bro. <laughs> but 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I guess I'm probably turning into the, to the upstart UCLA against Utah. Uh, that's probably a game that's going to be a very, a very interesting game. I'm probably just, I would start with that um, Ohio State game just to get a glimpse and see if Michigan State can do anything. But similar to the, what was it, the Wisconsin game a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Like, you know, if, if it's a clunker, uh, probably flipping over to that. Um, actually, Auburn, Georgia. I want to see if Auburn has a pulse against Georgia. Um, Utah, UCLA. I mean, I just, I have no interest in necessarily seeing. I, I, the UCLA story is a good one for me right now, but I, I'm not that interested. <laughs> Finally, um, in the evening window, you've got uh, number 16 BYU at Notre Dame, 730 on NBC, and then um, unranked Iowa, unranked Illinois, 730 Fox Sports 1. Any Either of those interest you? Not really. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I mean, I'm even though we don't play Illinois this year, I'm interested to see if they continue rolling. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, most people know that that's a rooting interest in my family. Um, so I will be watching that game, but yeah, I'm a little intrigued by the Iowa, Illinois game. And, and, you know, is it possible that Bielema is building something at Illinois that can challenge kind of the mediocrity of the West? Well, I'm also uh, interested in if Iowa's offense continues to flounder like majorly, yeah. like, <laughs> is there any chance that they make a move on their, you know, Kirk Ferentz's son, Brian Ferentz, are they going to demote him, fire him? Is the, uh, you know, is the brass at Iowa even remotely interested in firing Kirk Ferentz? I, I don't, I doubt it. But like, if they look in, if they get embarrassed by Illinois, yeah, you know, would that be funny if Illinois had was a coach killer two weeks in a row? <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. I mean, um, sad for I the mean, teams involved. Like we're but. saying at, at at Wisconsin, like the incoming teams of UCLA and USC may have been part of the calculus. Like we got to write the ship now before, you know, new talent comes in and, and disrupts the, you yeah. know, the, the, the power, uh, stacking of, of teams. Yeah, so, tr- you know, the, the, Iowa, yeah, totally. I get it. Iowa could be another similar situation. Hey, look, we've been talking. How did we do this? We didn't even talk about next week's opponent. And it was because we can talk football. Than That's why we can, and when I say we can, can rant I, and rave yeah, when and I say can, I mean, foam. we will, <laughs> we will. Yeah. Hey, um, well, good news, everyone. You have a full two weeks to have gotten through this episode. <laughs> before, yeah. Um, the next Penn State <laughs> game. Um, I hope you enjoyed it this week. I really appreciate you sticking with us. Um, next week, we will give you an episode where, um, we do two things. We'll, we'll, uh, take a look at sort of where Penn State is in the season thus far. Um, and we will do a good hard look at the Michigan game and uh, give you our picks and predictions from there. Um, when I continue to encourage you, write a mailbag entry, send us a rating, a review. Um, Someone's got to unseat be- Joel Bettner. Oh man, that's that, we'll, that's a challenge we'll, now. We'll like, still not just accept him. Like, Joel's just- mailbag, but we would like another one or two. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> uh, no, better yet. If you can give us a better mailbag entry than Joel, we will prioritize you who can <laughs> knock off Joel Bettner. <laughs> anyway, no, we'd love to hear from you. Um, in the meantime, uh, guys, uh, until next week, uh, be, be safe, take care, avoid the rain and bro. It always starts with, I love you. And it ends with, I love you. I was weak sauce, dude. Just end the episode. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, bro. Love you.